Comics, the new podcast offering opinion and waffle on comic books that we like, and no other reason or criteria really. It's an interesting time for comics, in terms of creativity, there's never been a better period. But in terms of sales and availability, it's a terrible time. Comics should be like Mars bars, cheap, disposable and available to everybody at all times. There should be an Asda at the checkout in WH Smiths, in newsagents and petrol stations. The fact that the biggest seller at the biggest company, Amazing Spider-Man at Marvel, is only selling 50,000 copies is terrible. But mostly this will be a positive podcast. Hey Kids Comics, and there may be a podcast with that name already, such as the level of research that goes into the show, will come at you from two angles. On the one hand, I am your host, Andrew Leyland, and I've been reading and enjoying comics for most of my life, and I'm now <laughs> 38. <clears throat> On the other hand, my co-host, Michael Leyland, is hello. 15. Say hello, Michael. Hello. You timed that well, didn't you? It was great. Well rehearsed. Very. Yes. So this is the level of professionalism I think you can expect. Has uh, also been enjoying comics most of his life, but comes from a different perspective. Michael has always had easy access to trades, embraces digital downloads, and has no problem with six-issue arcs being written especially for the trade paperback. Paperback. Well yes, done. coughed over me words. I'm no Luddite, but I see no point in paying 100 quid for a device that lets me read books. I have eyes and a book, thus I can read books. I like comics that don't cost four quid and take about as many minutes to read. Needless to say, we will have varying opinions, and this is where the fun part of the cast will come in. We're going to cover all comic books, TV, film, as it takes our fancy. One episode, we may do a preacher show, followed by an episode about the whole TV show, followed by a look at the work of a specific creator. As a rule, we only plan on covering one book per episode. Mike will choose one, and I will choose one, but this isn't a hard and fast rule. We'll try to look at things from a slightly skewed angle. Everyone has done a podcast about how great Superman the movie is. We'd rather look at Superman 3. No, we won't. What's wrong with Superman 3? <laughs> Everything. Superman 3's fine. It's, it's poo. Yeah, just... No idea, you youthful buffoon. We also look at the issue, if the issue works for new readers, or if it's just preaching to the converted. We are, however, going to instantly break with everything I've just said for an extra-long pilot episode. Ooh. Ooh, it's very exciting. Shiny. In which the first episode, <laughs> which is this one, we'll be looking at the granddaddy of them all, the Man of Steel, the last son of Krypton. Superman, the first and best superhero, and my joint first favourite character ever. 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 We'll be looking at the recently completed Secret Origin series by fan-fave writer, well, by Mike, uh, our hugely overrated writer by me, Jeff Johns. And we'll get right into that after the opening titles. Issue one um, has uh, a wonderful cover. Actually, no, it doesn't. It's very, very boring. Two old geezers and a kid stood in front of a barn. Man of Steel issue one had a planet exploded and an iconic shot of Superman performing a shirt rip to reveal the S-Shield. That's just very, very dull. It's not that cool. What do you think of that? It doesn't make people go, ooh, uh, but... Preacher didn't do that with the first issue, and I very enjoyed Preacher. Yeah, but Preacher had a Glenn Fabry cover. Yeah, but there wasn't very much good with that one issue. Yeah, it was. Glenn Fabry's cover had a demonic-looking preacher hovering over the top of a church. That's a good cover. Yeah, but look at Clark, though. His eyes are totally glowing red. He's flipping thingy at the omen. 
It's a Norman Rockwell poster. Which is fine if you want a Norman Rockwell poster. I want a Superman comic. I want to see Superman do cool stuff. I don't want to see two old geezers and a kid stirring at me with those crazy Damien eyes. <laughs> as if I'm fully expecting him to do something mean and nasty at any minute. Gary Frank, butt teeth. Yeah, well, I like Gary Frank. Gary Frank's a good artist. Uh, credits on this issue are on the last page, which um, annoys me intensely. Um, something that's only ever really worked in comics uh, on two other stories, but we'll mention them later. The title for the issue is Secret Origin Book One, The Boy of Steel. I already hate that last page, just looking at it. Um, I always think the comics having credits on the last page is just to make them more like a movie and less like an actual comic. I tried that with Final Crisis because it was purposely done like that. They did it with the death of Gene DeWolf and the night Gwen Stacy died as well and it worked then because both of those were surprises. This is just not. But anyway, positive. Think positive. Jeff Johns wrote it, Gary Frank penciled it, John Sebal inked it. As in the norm with the recent comics, everyone except the cleaner gets a credit, including Brad Anderson, who was the colorist, Steve Wands, who was the letterer, Frank W. Anderson did the covers. Oh no, Frank with Anderson did the cover. I read that. I read that as Frank W. Anderson. Uh, Richard Anderson. Hmm. Will Moss, assistant editor. I thought it was just Mr. Anderson. Maybe secretly called Richard. Oh, okay. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> you juvenile. Uh, Matt Idelson was the editor, but the most important credit, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And unlike Bob Kane, they deserve their credit because they actually created Superman. Bob unlike Kane didn't do Superman. Bob Kane did not no, create Batman. Superman. That is exactly right, and therefore he does not deserve a creator credit on Superman. I thought he did Batman though. He, he has a hand in Batman, by and large. <laughs> Bill Fang, Finger, Fanger, Bill Fanger, Finger. Bill Finger did most of the heavy lifting, but he doesn't get credit, which irritates me no end. But that's just me. Uh, the story opens with a young kid looking up into the sun, which is actually quite a nice splash page. Again, it's very Rockwellian, if that's an actual word. If it shouldn't, if it isn't, it should be. Rockwellian? I suppose so. I like Rockwellian. Do you not like Rockwellian? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, well drawn. Uh, on page two, because page one takes you absolutely no time whatsoever to read, because it's a splash page, uh, we see that it's a kid called Kent, who looks anywhere between 10 and 12 years old. Whether this is his first name or his last name isn't made clear. I think we already um, know, though. Yes, that's the point. You already know. <laughs> what if you're picking this up cold? You think this guy's name's Kent? Okay. Okay. No, just, yeah, whatever. Okay, we'll we'll go with you. Um, a football game is in progress, and Kent is asked to go long. That's what she said. I was waiting for that. <laughs> uh, what are they teaching kids today? Uh, a football game in progress. A pitch is thrown, and the kid, now referred to as Clark, but again, no reference to if this is a first name or a last name, seems surprised when he catches the pitch. Why he would be surprised again isn't made terribly clear. But, you know, uh, a blonde kid tackles Kent, Clark, and we hear a loud crack, and the other kid, who is given the name of Pete, is left on the floor, and the football is in Kent Clark's hands. The next follows a page that has lots of pretty art and very little actual reading material, because apparently comics readers don't actually like to read very much. Go on. There's quite a lot of camera flows, too. What's the deal with camera flows? 
How do you get a camera phone in a comic? Exactly. They're so... They're like... They're the rage and everything. And then they even have to do it in comics, like on the where's, splash page. Where's, where's the Look at the splash page. See? Camera flaw! You're, you're absolutely right! There's a camera flaw in a comic. Oh, J.J. Abrams should be shot. Um, not that I'm advocating the death of a major American film director in any way whatsoever. Anyway, uh, an ambulance shows up, the Pete kid had his arms in a sling, uh, a guy shows up in a pickup and picks up Kent Clark. Pick up, picks up. See what I did there? Uh, yeah. Did you like that? It's a great joke. Yeah. Kent is in trouble. Uh, the guy is his pal and he's been busted for lying. Apparently he shouldn't have been playing football. Instead he should have been at the library. The next day at school, Didn't Pete has a cast on. Go on. Wasn't that with Peter Parker as well? He should have been at the library. Oh, in the first Spider-Man film? Hmm? Yes, instead of being out wrestling. Fair enough. Ah, Fair Peter enough. Parker parallel already. Yeah. Peter Parker parallel. Yeah. Peter Piper Parker picked a peck of pickled peppers and had a parallel. With Parking Parker. problem. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, da, da, da. The next day at school, Pete has a cast on. Many, many girls' phone numbers on it. Maybe you should put a cast on your own. Kent Clark is referred to as Clark a number of times here, so we can infer that it is his first name. But it's not really good storytelling to have to guess at your main protagonist's name. If you've never read this before, or don't have any clue who Superman is, is there anyone in the world that doesn't know who Superman is? Uh, there should be a few. Yeah, okay. Then Kent Clark or Clark Kent works either way. A gunslinger doesn't have a name. Who's the gunslinger? In the Dark Tower books. He's never referred to by name, just the gunslinger. Is he not called Roland? I don't know. Did you just ruin something for me? What, just giving away his name <laughs> is now considered a spoiler, is it? I don't know that. I've only ever read the first when you're Gunslinger boot. When you read Red Hulk, it could be, I suppose. Yes, enough of that. <laughs> um, where were we up to? Ah, yes, okay. Um, uh, at school, we're introduced to a redhead named Lana, who seems surprised that Clark didn't want to speak to her. Clark signs Pete's cast, but suddenly and inexplicably looks right through the cast to see Bone. He looks at his classmates and sees skeletons staring back at him. I liked this. I thought this was pretty creepy and effective, and then Clark runs off. Lana follows him, and soon becomes clear she knows there's something weird and wacky about Kent Clark. There's a flashback. We can tell it's a flashback, because the colours go sepia, in which Clark saves Lana from a thresher accident, which is like Superman 3. Yes. Just like that. Just like Superman 3. Mm. Except Superman saved a boy, not a girl. Still works. Same thing. Mm. Uh, they share a moment, but when Lana kisses him, kisses, lasers fly out of his eyes. Cool. Looks and like he got too excited. Well, I think that's the metaphor they're playing with. Not at all like they did in Smallville. Anyway, Clark sex fire sex. <laughs> well, he did get excited. Speaking of Freudian, Clark sets fire to a Smallville High banner with his laser beam eyes and sets off the sprinklers. Fire engines arrive and power takes Clark home. It's not known who started the fire, but Clark feels pretty guilty about it anyway. The journey home, and there follows a conversation with Clark's mum and dad. Mum is given a name, Martha. Pa is not given a name. In fact, I don't think Pa Kent gets a name throughout this entire issue. Should have called him Peter. Ma, Martha, Pa, Jonathan. They should have called him what they called him in The Adventures of Superman. They weren't Jonathan and Martha. They were something else. Okay. I've completely forgotten what they were called. It'll come back to me at some point. Um, where were we up to? 
the, the journey home follows conversation. Oh, we've said that, haven't we? That yeah. implies there's something they're not telling young Clark. They take Clark to a barn where they show him a rocket ship and tell him that he came to Earth in it. I'm 38 and I'm still in, still waiting to be told that I come from another planet because it would explain a great many things. Oh, yeah. Ah, that was the wife chiming in. Um, they take Clark to a barn and show him a rocket ship and tell him that he came to Earth in it. Clark touches the ship and a funny language speaks to him. And then a holographic representation of two people appear before them. Clark asks, what did it say? And then the hologram seems to change to English, as Martha can now suddenly understand what's being said. Well, maybe it's set to change language. What, when he to... speaks? Yeah. Well, I suppose that makes sense. Mark, Mark, not Mark Kent. Um... His proper mum, Lara, on the top of that page there, after they first speak in English, looks like Veronica Cartwright from the Alien movies, who was just in ER that we just watched. You probably don't know what I mean, though, do you? No. Okay, moving swiftly on. Uh, Clark touches the ship, which we've said. Clark says, what did it, which we've done that as well. Mm -hmm. The man says his name is Jor-El, and and the woman is Lara. Looks like Marlon Brando. He does not look like like Marlon Marlon Brando. Brando. He looks like Dr. Andy from Everwood. But with Marlon Brando's no, he wig doesn't. on, he so totally does. It's right. the beard and the kiss curl. It doesn't look anything like Marlon Brando. It totally does. Which is not the only Superman the movie reference that will happen. But he doesn't look like Marlon Brando. The hologram explains that Clark is from another planet, a planet called Krypton, and they get a much better introduction than anyone else in the stories had so far. There's some dialogue quoted almost verbatim from Superman the movie, but Clark fires his laser eyes again and the hologram stops. He runs outside, unable to process what he's just seen, and Pa follows him. Clark is understandably distraught to learn that he is, in fact, from another planet, and his reaction is understandable in the circumstances. Pa follows him and tells him that whatever he is, wherever he's from, he will always be his son. Always special. Which is, you know, quite sweet. Adorable. The scene then changes to an abusive father yelling at a red-headed kid who flees the house. That <laughs> ginger. <laughs> the, the persecution <laughs> of the ginger people is not to be laughed at. I'm very sorry if there are any ginger listeners. <laughs> uh, he trips over a green glowing rock. Hey, kids, subplot. Ooh. Mm, I'm sure it'll develop in ways that are most unexpected. No, it's just, like, really not unexpected. Yeah, okay. The following days, Clark has been given a pair of glasses that are far too big for him, made from his rocket ship to keep his laser eyes in check. Clark hates them and threatens to lose them, like, on purpose, like, totally. Martha heads to the barn and touches the crystal which flashes images of Krypton in her head. Would that work? I don't know. Because she's not Kryptonian. Well, it's not established that you have to be Kryptonian to make his rocket ship work. Well, it only worked when Clark touched it. Because they, they would have thought that they'd had to have moved it into the bar. Yeah, but she's not touching, touching the rocket, she's touching the crystal. Which then advertises new Krypton. Yes, which plugs the new Krypton story arc and the Brainiac story arc. Which it shouldn't, because well, it's a standalone. Yeah, it's fine. But she's never touched the crystal before, I presume. Anywhere. Um, she sees Krypton in her head. Bad types. As a reader of many years, the three things that she sees are Brainiac, now obviously a product of Krypton, three ominous-looking bad types, presumably non-General Zod and Ursa from Superman 2, and Doomsday, who was nothing to do with Krypton in the comics, but apparently is now. You've read New Krypton? I've read some of it, but it was just a threat to the Kryptonians. Right, so did Doomsday not happen the way we read it now? Has that just been thrown out? All this crisis stuff is drivelly. Uh, so the continuity doesn't matter anymore? No, no. Okay, fair enough. 
Clark and Lois are still married, though. I think so. No, I don't, I don't know. They've not made a deal with Mephisto? <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. Okay, good. I'm very glad about that. Once right. you get married, you should stay married. Um, unlike death. Krypton's, unlike death. Krypton's capital and a bunch of people dressed in primary coloured costumes, which is quite... There's a nice little touch, so it's a Man of Steel. There's a John Byrne Man of Steel woman. The, okay, cool. On whatever page this is. And well, crypto. comics have page numbers anymore. My absolute Sandman does. Shut up. Meanwhile, a word that isn't in the issue, and isn't in comics much anymore, but should be, because it's a great word and needs to be used more. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Clark is trying to come up with reasons to not play football, all of which are a bit lame. Lana tries to help, and they head to the county fair. There, Clark meets the red-headed kid from a few pages ago, who seems impressed that Clark knows who Nikola Tesla is. Did you know who Nikola Tesla was? Yeah, I totally did. He invented the radio. Did you know that before you read this? Yeah, totally. Who says the education system sucks in this country? We're being glared at by the missus. Did you know who Nikola Tesla was? Ah, okay, I fair enough. I would do no such thing. He introduces himself as Lex Luthor and says he's to set up a stall to sell all his books because he needs to leave. He then shows Clark the green rock he fell over last night and Clark falls over for reasons as yet unknown. Ooh, ominous. Ooh. <laughs> Krypton music. I noticed. Lex cuts himself on the crystal just as a tornado hits. Lana gets swept up and Clark tries to reach her by flying up to her. He realises that he's done both. He and Lana... Well, I did that wrong. When he realised mm. that what he's done, he and Lana plummet to the floor, but Clark manages to pull them up and guide them to a reasonably soft landing in a stream. Hey. Lana kisses him, laser eyes go off. No sexual innuendo implied. Oh, no. Whatsoever. It's for children readers, for all ages. Is this an all ages book? It's so, Superman, I should hope so. I don't think that matters anymore, does it? Um, fortunately, Clark glasses stop him from burning a hole right through Lana's head. Clark can barely contain himself and tells Mar and Par about it. I think we're aware that he can barely contain himself. <laughs> Ma says that she's fed up of fixing Clark's clothes. Clark's, Clark's clothes. Clark's are shoes. Yeah. And has designed a suit for him to wear based on what she saw in her vision. Hey. Yes. On the chest isn't allowed to stand for Superman anymore since the first movie. So it's given here as something that Ma quite liked when she saw somebody else wearing it in that weird vision that she saw earlier on. He did it quicker than Smallville did, the costume thing. <laughs> Smallville still hasn't done it. Exactly. That show's been on the air for ten years. He's still not wore a suit. How old is he now? About 40? I think so. Uh, it just looks a bit stupid. Uh, Clark comes down wearing the famous costume, complaining that he's never wearing this again. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> um, what did you think of it? I didn't like it. You didn't like the issue at all? Hmm. It had its good points. It's well written, it's well drawn. It's Clark's a lot well whinier here than he is in any previous comic He doesn't origin. beat uh, Infinite Crisis Superboy yet, who got a main role in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is more than Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan's not in the Crisis really does bug you, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a reason for that. Um, most Silver Age Origins kind of skipped over the bits with Clark as a kid. And the Man of Steel revamp in 1986 established Clark as a pretty happy, normal teenager. 
the first Superman movie, I claim to be a bit of an outsider because of his powers, but never to the extent that this story does. It really reads like an issue of Smallville, the comic book, which, given Smallville is probably what people new to Superman think of nowadays, is understandable. But the problem with it is it makes Clark more like Peter Parker. And, you know, I'm not really fond of a Clark Kent who's Peter Parker. Um, What did you think? Um, Well... The thing with Graham, uh, Gary Frank's art is I quite liked it in Brainiac and Supreme Power, but it was a bit napping here with the big teeth. And the since big teeth. yes, and since there was a big gap in between the first two issues, it was not like there was a major rush that he had to do. But it's another person who needs to go to the Sean Phillips art of School of Art because he knocks out art like kapow. But Gary Frank takes for ages. And it's not the first one, but I didn't like it anymore because Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison sat in the really big chairs in the evil league of evil, shaping the DC universe to something they want, and going back and editing it. Jeff Johns' evilness. And I don't understand continuity anymore. Nope. So... That's why he's redoing it. You should read the Green Lantern stuff. What's the Green Lantern stuff got to do with this? Because it ties into everything. Read Blackest Night. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, a few minor notes. Ben Hubbard is a reference to Superman the movie. Not the first, not the last. The rocket ship bears more resemblance to the Silver Age ship that Clark came to than the 80s revamp or the big funny crystalline star thing from Superman the movie. Brainiac was originally from the planet Kolu until the animated series in the 90s, which had him come from Krypton. <laughs> yes. Pilot episode of Superman the Animated Series, the three-parter. Brainiacs, the computer on Krypton. Oh, yeah. And then later on in the series, Maybe Brainiacs came from, from Kalu before that. Possibly. But I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched that. Clark putting the glasses up his nose is a reference to Superman the movie. Lana knowing Clark's secret is from Man of Steel from 1986. Uh, I don't think that's been done in any other iteration. Park Kent is not given a name anywhere in issue one. So he could be Eben. Eben and Sarah Kent. Eben. Eben. That was the name in the first episode of the 50s TV show. Eben. Eben. Eben, Eben Kent. The hillbilly. <laughs> Jed, <like> Jed Kent. <laughs> Jed and Ellie Mae Kent. Yeah, come back now, you hear? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be quite a funny episode. <laughs> Jed Clampett adopts Clark Kent. Yeah. Teaches him about the cement pond. He can make a souffle that way. He could, <laughs> yes, with his, with his supervision. Uh, Lex is already an arrogant SOB, but the art on the page where he holds up the green lock rock looks awful. He's cross-eyed and his top lip curls up showing far too much gum. And he looks and deranged and teeth. And not in a greatest criminal mind of our time way, more in a would-you-like-to-buy-some-puppies. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen, return number one. He looks a bit strange. Uh, one would have thought there would be some warning of the tornado, both in the story and from a foreshadowing point of view. Do they not have weathermen in Smallville? Or maybe they don't have TV. It's very possible. Especially seen as on the cover of issue one, that's just hit me. Parkent looks like Andy Griffith. Um, You'll have no idea who Andy Griffith is, will you? From the Andy Griffith show. And Matlock. No, I have no. That's obviously an age thing. Um, Clark decides to carry on helping people after saving Lana. Um, so in this telling of the story, it's not his pa's deathbed wish that Clark help people, and it's not Jarrell telling him that he needs to do this. Just stopping Lana from floating away in a tornado is enough for him to devote his life to truth, justice, and the American way. Um, I don't really think that has any pathos. 
pathos or whatever the guy was called in The Three Musketeers. Um, Superman does what he does because it's the right thing to do, and not because he's driven by guilt or vengeance. That would make him another Peter Parker. He would have thought we'd be raised by Martha and Jonathan that they'd teach him enough to know about what's right and just and stuff. Yeah, probably. Although that's not really touched upon here. Last page. Hate. Hate. Bring on the hate. Mm. Although hate's a very strong word and much overused by your generation. Lols. (laughs) Um, hate Clark being embarrassed by the suit or strongly dislike Clark being embarrassed by the suit Uh, reeks of a person that's writing the story hating the suit and the suit is just oh so passe and Smallville has shown that we don't need a suit and it's utter crap it's a bit tight it's well it's not though and see that begs another question as well does that grow with him because there's no implication later on spoilers that he's changed his suit so does his feet not get any bigger does Mel make and where did she make the boots how did she make the boots what were the boots made out of this is the problem I always have with them making the suit out of bits from his rocket maybe she had to go flying into some women's shop and so he's actually wearing women's knee high boots but that would mean that they'd burn off his feet wouldn't they when he flies fast well I don't know. I don't. I, I don't they know got how they made it. With the Earth One JSA Flash? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think probably because I grew up with it, but I like the idea that his suit is just normal, but it doesn't burn because it's next to his skin. And because his skin's invulnerable, uh, suit is, but his cape could be ripped. Yeah. Or it could. That's obviously all been thrown about. Um, the last page almost ruined the issue for me because when the first time you see Superman it should be a big da-da-da moment and Which you should go, yay! Something J. Michael Stravinsky didn't achieve to do in Earth 1. Well, we're not talking about Earth 1. It still sucks though. Okay, fair enough. Are you ready to move on to issue 2 or do you have other things to say about the gloriousness that is Secret Origin issue 1? No, I'm alright. You okay on that? Yes. For sure. I'm good. Okay. Rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. cover is another well what can we say about that cover YMCA I would have said it looks like the Legion but yeah okay well you know a bunch of people standing around looking goofy and looks like a bunch of stoner kids going to Halloween especially the girl what's the girl's name the blonde girl Saturn girl Saturn girl which is a great name she just looks a bit you know bunny boiler is the word that comes to mind title Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes and again the credits are on the last page and they're all identical to issue one so I can't be bothered reading them again. The story opening page is a drunk driver whining about how his kid talks to him. 
tosses a beer bottle out of the window as he drives, so Johns is setting the character's stall out early on. He's the same guy for issue one who Lex was running away from, so from that we can assume that this is Lex's dad. Camera flow. Um, where's there a camera flow? Second page. There's a camera flow. <sighs> I didn't even notice the camera flow. Because <laughs> I, I don't really think that comics have cameras, but... It shows how observant you are. It does, yes. You're absolutely right. I love paying attention to the story, not the irritating camera flies. Um, Told you it was a subplot. Anyway, he hits the brakes, skids off the road, plummeting into the water below. There's always water below. Have you noticed that? And the pickup doesn't blow up. Except for the times when When the wily coyote fell and actually hit the land. (laughs) In a big cloud of smoke. Uh, Very good. Anyway, the pickup... Of course he's driving a pickup. That's shorthand for Hick. Is saved by a kid wearing a colourful costume. It's the same costume as of the end of last issue. So we know that this is Clark, not Kent Clark. He drops the driver at the police station. The chief of police, a guy named Parker, which is a nod to the old Superboy comics, where Chief Parker was the chief of police, calls Lex to tell him his dad was saved by a miracle. Lex doesn't believe in miracles. Ah, humbug. He is very Scrooge, isn't he? There's a brief scene where we learn that Clark has been doing good things, and Parkent is finally given the name Jonathan. So he's not Eben, or Jed. Which would have been much cooler. Or Jethro. Jethro Kent. Uh, that, that would have been cooler if they'd called Clark that. Jethro Kent. <laughs> Truth, justice, and all that. <laughs> Don't know that that would work. Y'all. Yes, there has been a newspaper headline about a super boy, but he's not officially known by that name because he's staying out of sight. Um, and the S on his chest is just a huge coincidence. And how somebody who's dressed like that can stay out of sight, I don't know, but apparently he does. Maybe it's a chameleon suit. Well, so no one else can see him. Yes. Maybe he just flies really fast so nobody can see what he's doing. Like the flash vibrates so fast he turns invisible. Possibly. Clark looks through a telescope using his supervision to see if there's any others out there like him. He whines about being alone again. I was a single child until I was 14, and I don't remember whining about being alone as much as Clark has done in these two issues. As per Smallville, Clark only wears red and blue. Uh, And he's clad in such the next day when he goes to school. Oh, it's mainly blue. He's got a pair of blue jeans on and a a blue t-shirt polo top type thing um, Lex tells him the book on aliens that he's reading is a waste of time as they're obviously aliens and you're an idiot if you think otherwise Clark offers him his hand but Lex ignores it and shows Clark what he's reading a book about somewhere called Metropolis the which, best city in the world which looks an awful lot like Metropolis from the film Metropolis does it? well it does a bit with the big huge towers hmm, you can see the Daily Planet globe though yeah. It's quite nice, I suppose. Um, Lex plans to build a big building, though, and tosses his lovely red hair back like a Timothy commercial. Lex waffles some more to show how brilliant he is, and Clark acts all naive and stuff and offers to hang out with Lex. Homoeroticism! Yay! Lex yes, swats him back. back. You never watched the early seasons of Smallville? No. Dripping with homoerotic subtext. Oh, Lex. Rapidly became text, if memory serves. Yay, good old Giles. Always quote Buffy when you can. Um, Lex swats him away. Clark then whines with Lana that Pete doesn't ask him to play football anymore. 
Um, given that he did nothing but whine last issue about having to come up with excuses not to play, I'd have thought he'd be happy, but apparently Clark's not happy unless he's whining, which is, you know, a bit of character development we're not overly fond of. Lana tries to kiss him again, because she's obviously very forward for a 13-year-old or however old she's meant to be here. Um, but Clark isn't interested in the pretty redhead. Well, not that pretty redhead. And she storms off. Never to be seen again. No, she isn't, is she? Nope. He seemed more interested in Lex, <laughs> who's a pretty redhead. Homoeroticism! <laughs> Yay! I'll just stick with redhead. Okay, fair enough. Um, Clark isn't interested, so he really is dumber than dirt in these issues. And he whines again. He whines more than Luke Skywalker. Um, Clark's standing on the other side of the field when Lana runs away from him, but he can still hear everybody talking about him. And they all think he's a bit weird. Very Spider-Man. Which he is. Do you think you're weird? I know I'm weird. Okay, that's fair enough. Clark used to be a lot smarter than this back in the Bronze Age. Anyway, a bunch of kids in Halloween costumes show up and call him Kal-El. It's very true. They say they're from the 30th century and that their names are Lightning Lad, Satin Girl and Cosmic Boy. Satin Girl. Satin. <laughs> Saturn Girl. Um, Cosmic Boy is dressed in pink. <laughs> I don't care how enlightened you are in the 30th century I really doubt a straight man is going to wear that much well, pink maybe he's not straight you know maybe he's Louis Spence yeah. <laughs> Louis Spence the Louis of superheroes <laughs> oh, cosmic boy is pretty in pink all of them can fly, which means Clark isn't that special. And when everybody's special... No one is special. No one is special. They tell Clark, thanks, and that he will be accepted sooner rather than later by everybody. They decide to take him to the 30th century for no readily explained reason. Because it's fun. Other than it's fun. And explain that they are aliens and part of a legion of protectors. Smallville in the future is shiny and new, touched Ooh. for the very first time, as Madonna once put it, um, and uh, is protected as being the birthplace of Clark Kent. And we get a crypto. And we do, we get a little dummy crypto there on the splash page of Smallville in the 30th century. Um, a little, little drawing of crypto, the superdog. Very good. You like crypto, don't you? Yeah, I prefer the monkey. Beppo the super monkey. <laughs> yeah. Not Comet the super horse. No. Or Streaky the super cat. Monkeys can kill horses. Can they? I think so. Even super horses. Ah, uh, no. Uh, we're not sure about that, really. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, some human rights activists show up, fed up with all the aliens on Earth, hold a gun to a girl's head and say that Earth is for humans. The pink-clad cosmic boy blasts him with his hands and says, Earth is for everyone, and then whispers, so says Superman. Which Superman wouldn't agree on, because he'd just say something cool and then the guys would go away and change their minds. I don't know, I think Earth is for everyone is something that Clark would say as Superman, but he's not Superman yet and hasn't been given a name. And he wouldn't beat them up. No, probably not. Lightning Lad teaches Clark that superheroing can be fun, which is just an out there concept at DC Comics at the moment and Clark punches a guy in the face and tosses off a Schwarzenegger S one liner 
For some reason, Clark doesn't knock his head off his shoulders, which would have been much funnier. Well, what to the long live the Legion thing? It's the long live the Legion. I know, Legion. what's with it? He wouldn't Legion. say that. We're the Romans now, Caesar's Legion of superheroes. <laughs> he is only about 14. 14 year olds say dumb stuff. Yeah. All the time. Shush. Don't they? I have no idea what you're talking about. Excellent, good. Moving on. Um, he may actually knock his head off. Because if you look at the way the art is, it it cuts off the page at his shoulders. So it is possible that there is a head just rolling down the street in Smallville, like in Attack of the Clones. That was an infinite crisis where he punches that person's head off, right? Who did? Superboy. Punches someone's head off. Who wrote that filth? Mm, I don't know. (sighs) Jeff Johns. Superboy punched somebody's head off. On accident. And you wonder why I don't read crap like that anymore. Um, anyway, another bunch of leaguers show up. One of them is green, which is quite cool, although he doesn't look like the Incredible Hulk. No, he doesn't. No, he's, he's kind of skinny and has yellow hair. Um, the two girls that are with him go all buttery over Clark and compliment him on his cape. Capes are cool. Unless they kill you. No, capes are cool. They have some more great names like Triplicate Girl and Phantom Girl. And Triplicate Curl girl becomes three different girls who all ask if Clark has a girlfriend. I prefer Duplicate. Duplicate is a much better name than Triplicate Girl. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't they know he's got a girlfriend if they're from the future? Uh, Maybe she wasn't that important if he did have one. Maybe not, no. Maybe Lois Lane was just galactically stupid. Well... Clark Kent... Superman. Superman. How dumb was she? She'd have to shoot him first. Yeah, probably. Uh, having a girl who can split into three offers all kinds of interesting possibilities, but Clark <laughs> doesn't take her up on it. Because, as we've already established, Clark's an idiot. Um, and because the green guy, who's named Brainiac 5, is a real killjoy and waffles some on the space time, spice, spice world I continuum. I think it's called Space Time Continuum. Yes. Okay, thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. The kids take Clark back to the past and give him a ring. Now, because I know from reading comics for 30 years this is a Legion flight ring, that puts me ahead of any new readers, as no explanation is given in this book that it's the ring that enables the Legion to fly. And why does Clark need a flight ring? Because it, he doesn't. It just makes him feel accepted. That he's got a flight ring that is of no use to him. Does that flight ring come in useful in New Krypton or in Brainiac or in what's that hardcover call that we've got on that bookshelf The Superman and the Legion of Superheroes? It doesn't. Which was also Super- by Johns and Frank. Yes, it doesn't Legion of Superheroes. Does it? Because it's a red sun and he loses his powers. Ah, so the ring does come in useful in a completely different story. But it still ties into that. So if you read this and then Legion of Superheroes and then Brainiac, is that just like a trilogy by these two? I suppose so. Maybe I should read Legion of Superheroes again then. You know, I don't really have any great fondness for the Legion. Back in the past, or the present. I think it's the present. Time travel sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Clark tells Mara Power about his journey to the future when an earthquake strikes. We get the first shirt rip of the series, and it's every bit as lame as the one in Superman Returns. Uh, Clark changes into his suit and flies up, up, and away. It's not an earthquake it's another rocket ship ooh excuse me just like Clark's it opens there's a 
And Clark smiles. You get crypto. Well, we don't actually get crypto, do we? Nah, we don't see crypto. I'd prefer a power girl myself, to be honest. Our Supergirl would do, but what's her story now? Um, she was Matrix. No, that no, was, that that's yeah. that's not continuity anymore. Is it not? I don't think so. So Superman didn't die. Exactly. This is my point. It's Whoa. all messed up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just completely out to lunch. Clark tells Mar and Pa about his journey to the future, uh, and then finally Chief Parker tells Lex that his dad has died. Oh no! Oh no! When Parker leaves, Lex laughs and laughs, and we see an insurance document on the table. <sighs> implying what? That Lex killed his dad. Oh no! That Lex Luthor is such an evil, evil, evil man. And the all. Uh, do you have anything to add about issue number two? Um, yes, Superboy. His head's too big for his body, I think. Lots Which, of artists struggle drawing children, though, don't it they? It was also a problem with Hit Girl and Kick-Ass. Because, like, how old would you say that Satin Girl is, though? Satin Girl? Satin Girl. Well, if she is going for Satin Girl, I should hope she's over 18. See? Yeah. But, she, but no, she's she supposed would. to be... I don't know how old she's supposed to be. You don't look that buff. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, if you say so. Right. Uh, Superman's name is finally given as a throwaway line from a guy from the future, although it's not clear if Clark hears it. Although he can hear people from across big fields, so I would have thought that he wouldn't have had any problem mm. with that. Lex kills his dad, uh, and it's also implied that Crypto the Superdog is back in continuity. This issue reintroduces the Legion to continuity, which nobody but six people cared about, and three of those are professional writers working for DC. Do we really need the Legion of Superheroes as part of Superman's mythos? I always thought they made Superman were he just go off and live a life, but the Legion came back inspired by Superman, which gave him the inspiration to become Superman. But they're not inspired by Superman, they're inspired by Superboy. Maybe you just read it wrong. Why would you be inspired by Superboy anyway? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were inspired by Superman. How could they be inspired by Superboy if in this telling of the story Superboy didn't actually exist because no one ever saw him? Because Superman as a boy, uh, maybe they'd heard about him being as a boy. So you think that in this story it's Superman that they're inspired by? Yeah. Okay. I suppose so. Alright, I'll give you that. Um, I don't like the Legion. Can't give a rat's ass about the Legion. Oh, you should um, watch the Cartoon Network show. It is terrible. Is it? I, I like the Young Justice pilot. Mm. That was quite good. Um, I quite like the inherent silliness of a super dog. But I think when you start introducing Beppo and Streaky... Oh, man. Alex Ross likes them. It's time <laughs> to call it a day. Any comments from you, oh mighty-moused one? From me? Um, I don't know. Uh, no, not really. No? No. So that four paragraph of notes you're just not going to bother with? I've mostly done that four paragraph of notes, really. Okay, fair enough.
astonishingly excellent, enticing cover. It's amazing. It's astonishing, isn't it? Great. It's four people stood around. Well, she looks very hungry, so the photo shoot must be... She looks a bit like Courtney Cox in Scream. And he looks like a retard. <laughs> you can't say that. Jimmy Olsen. Not politically correct. You can edit it out later. No, okay. Um, Perry White looks quite good. Um, the bloke in the glasses and the suit, which is red and blue. Superman. He possibly looks astonishingly like Christopher Reeve. Superman. Okay. CK is on his briefcase, which is a reference to Lois and Clark. Where Jimmy Olsen always called him CK. I thought it was a reference to Clark Kent. But well, yes. <laughs> oh, whatever. Uh, the splash page for this issue, the title of which is Mild Mannered Reporter. Again, Mild Mannered Reporter is... Where's the title for this one? On the, on the front. Oh, wow, page four. We get the title this time instead of on the last page. Yeah. Uh, the splash page is pretty good. Older Clark is in a big city with lots of tall buildings to leap over. It's busy and a newspaper blows across the page proclaiming Lex Luthor voted most important man in America. He doesn't leap anymore. Does he not leap anymore? No, not since the radio show. Mm. I quite like leaping tall buildings. Clark walks into a woman who scolds him for not watching where he's going and Gary Frank now decides to draw Christopher Reeve, which is either a nice homage or a bit creepy. I like it. On your point of view. Uh, I am interested in how this works. DC didn't do a, a comic book adaptation of Superman or Superman 2 due to rights issues. And when they did one for 3 and 4, they didn't do likenesses, again, due to rights issues. But now Gary Frank can just draw Christopher Reeve and nobody cares. Well, that's because the whole Christopher Reeve thing and no one being around to say he can't do it anymore. I'm sure he has kids. Well, maybe Who may be a bit freaked out to walk past a comic store well, and see the dad staring at them. Different people did it. Alex Ross dedicates every Superman book he does to Christopher Reeve. Yeah, but he doesn't draw him to look like Christopher Reeve. Maybe he Gary draws uh, Superman to look about 40, doesn't he? Round about. Hmm. Which, you know, perfectly valid, I suppose, for people who grew up with George Reeves, who was about 40. Uh, Clark is told by a police officer that Luther grants somebody's wish every morning at this time, but Clark zones out. He's late for a very important date. A taxi drops him off at the Daily Planet building. Which looks crap. <coughs> well, it's supposed to. It's uh, supposed to look crap, so I'll, I'll give him that. But it's another splash page. Two in four pages. Comics are take no time to read anymore because they're all splash pages. On his way in, clack, 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 blibbin, dibbin, blub, blub, keop. On his way in, Clark catches his briefcase in the doors and then slips on some water. Um, <coughs> there's actually some nice stuff on this page. There's a, a lovely little subliminal newspaper headline hung on the wall um, claiming to tell the truth about Luther. And in Clark's briefcase is a picture of Mar and Park Kent and of his dog. Who takes a picture of a dog to a job interview? It's not really a job interview. Has he already got the job at this point? Yes. Oh, okay. But he, he's took a picture of his dog. Through his desk to decorate it. <laughs> and in all the years that he had his dog, no one ever spotted a flying dog, did they not? Well. This is my problem <laughs> with crypto. How do you keep a flying dog a secret? How do you keep a flying boy in red and blue pyjamas a secret? Uh, obviously he did. Anyway, this scene makes no sense. 
why is Clark pretending to be such a klutz here? Nobody knows who he is. Nobody's ever seen him before. It's his first time in the building. Who who is he doing this act for? Himself. Why? It's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's it's silly. He There's a bit to. in All Star Superman. Do you remember this bit where he's cross, crossing the road with Lois? Yes. And he's acting like a big klutz. Yes, to knock the person out. Yes. The way and it turns out he's acting like a big klutz to save somebody's life, which was brilliant. Yeah. You think, oh, that Clark, what a goofy guy. And then you realise that he saved this guy's life without anybody knowing he did it. This is just dumb. Well, he wants to feel like a real boy. By acting like a divot. It's just stupid. Um, the lift operator is the only one who's really looking at him, although there are other people around. Um, said lift operator is named Rudy Jones. Remember that. Remember that. And he exploits, he exposits about the planet losing money and the globe at the top being stuck in place by rust. Shame. Any bets that it won't be rusted in place by the end of the story. He also cons Clark out of his lunch. Not that he looks like he, he needs to eat anything. Exiting the lift, Clark pushes his glasses up his nose because this seems to be standard now um, and he enters a busy metropolitan news office three names are tossed at us Lombard, Troop and Cat long time readers know these to be Steve Lombard jerk reporter, Cat Grant and Ron Troop but we are far more interested in photographer Jimmy Olsen he's surprisingly wearing, one. he's wearing clothes now, man clothes even when did he not wear man clothes? Grant Morrison oh Grant Morrison's just when he's not brilliant he's a pain in the ass. Uh, Frank doesn't draw Jimmy Olsen to look like Mark McClure. He draws him to look like a young Ron Howard. Which is... Uh, you don't get that either, nope. do you? Never seen Happy Days? I've seen some. Mm, okay. I always feel old when I talk to you. Um, Clark says he's looking for Perry White. Perry is arguing in his office with a pretty brunette. Uh, which is a really well written page actually Jonesy's dialogue is natural and the banter between the characters is well done again there's a Superman the movie reference Lois's inability to spell but it's a really nice scene I, I really like that bit and it's the stuff look look at that page stuff to read wow lots of word balloons I know wow it took me longer to read that page than it did to read the entire sixth issue oh and we have orange juice on that page which is another Superman thing a Superman reference for the orange juice. Oh, yeah, because she's making her own orange juice, isn't she? Yes. To, to counteract the fact that she smokes 60 a day. Yes. Fair enough. Um, there's some foreshadowing about Lois's cynical nature and her belief that there is no good in the world, but Clark is brought in, interrupting them. Perry introduces him to Lois Lane. There's another Superman the movie reference. Clark says, swell. And Lois offers to take Clark on the city beat, which is another... Another reference to Superman, Superman the, the movie. Well done. Yes. Keep up. Glad you're here. She goes to her desk and pulls out a blonde wig and sunglasses whilst navigating a very messy working area and ditching some flowers in the bin from an admirer called John. Subplot alert! There's a lot of them. There is. On the way out, Rudy cons Clark out of a $20 bill. Lois tells Clark they are gate-crashing Lex Luthor's party because the Daily Planet doesn't count out to Luthor. They've not been invited. She makes some pointed remarks about Clark's clutziness and then calls him Smallville, both of which are nods to the 90s animated series and to the TV show Smallville. Dons the wig and announces that Lois and Clark are in town. This, again, I really like this bit. I really like that scene. Uh, I like the Clark-Lois stuff a lot. 
I think it's quite funny and quite well written. And if he could have just done a Lois and Clark series, that would have probably been much preferable. Uh, Frank has a real good handle on the Lois Clark dynamic, and they're almost a great team from the get-go. Lois instantly realising that there's something about Clark that's not quite right. Um, and Lois looks like Lois. She doesn't look like an actor. More importantly, she doesn't look like Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter. You read Earth One? Yes. She looks like Dexter's sister. Okay. Silly. Clark runs interference for Lois to break in. Lois sees Lex introduce the Metallo, a cyber exoskeleton that will be the laborers of the future. Which, this part was in the pilot to the animated series, right? Was it? Yeah, because they had the big convention with a robot thing which went wrong and Superman saved the day. So basically you're saying that this is just a mismatch of previous stories? Yes, this part's pretty much the animated series and Superman the movie. Again! With the Superman the movie. Uh, you know. Um, Lois is spotted by a Jobsworth security guard and exposed. And of course, in trying to escape, Lois falls off the roof. Oh along no! Along with a helicopter. We can see where this is going, can't we? She's going to fall and die. I kind of doubt that. Clark sees her fall, disappears into an alley, and finally, finally, Best panel we get the series. a full-page iconic shirt rip. It is pretty cool, isn't it? Mm. Better um, than Earth One. It is better than Earth One. Um, it is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, Clark swoops up into the sky, and we get a Luke up in the sky gag, and, and Clark catches When Stacy moment were... He doesn't he snap her neck. Clark. She's falling downwards. Smart He's flying upwards. To know rudimentary laws and of physics. No indicator yeah. sign of him slowing down when he catches her. I don't know what you're talking about, boy. Uh, Lois is speechless. The helicopter falls. Clark catches it. John Williams' score soars in the background. Uh, but nobody says, You've got me. Who's got you? Oh, Which that's a bad outfit. Is a <laughs> hey, Jim! That's a bad outfit! That was my terrible American accent. It was great. Um, do you think so? It was, Thank yes. you very much. He lands both the helicopter and Lois on the roof. Lois is still speechless. Clark is swarmed by people demanding to know who he is and if he can help them. He takes off and flies all night, thinking he's made a serious mistake. Dun, dun, dun. Um, which you were a bit right about, really. That is a bit Man of Steely, where he realises. But in Man of Steel, that's where the costume comes from, isn't it? Yes. So, you know, it's up to you. Mm. <coughs> uh, any comments on the well, issue number three? It did play out like the Superman the movie, and I had Christopher Reeve's voice in my head all the time. And see, I don't hear that. I I hear John Williams's music, but in terms of voice, I always hear um, Bud Collier as Superman, the okay. guy who did him in the forties radio series. I think, I think it was Bud Collier. Okay, he's very baritone. This is a job for Superman! And changes in the closet with a big window on it. That's the cartoons. I know. But that was Bud Collier as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well remembered. Um, anything you wish to say about issue number three? Well, it was my favourite of the series. Was it? Because of the one panel shirt rip, yeah. Just because of the shirt rip? Made it all worthwhile. That was your favourite bit of the series? Yeah. Original art? When it starts off with Superboy... Yeah, it's kind of fun. Starts off with warmed over Smallville and then does the Legion of superheroes. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, notes on issue number three. Steve Lombard was Clark's jock nemesis at the WGBS, the TV news station, back in the 70s and 80s, the Bronze Age. Uh, Steve would always try to get Clark with a humorous practical joke, and Clark would use his powers to make humorous it Humorous as in Batman going through the fortress, driving Superman crazy, before saying it was just an elaborate <laughs> <laughs> Humorous. No. Oh, when they did the fattest woman in Metropolis story. <laughs> <laughs> he struggles to fly her out of his way. <laughs> All real stories. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not disputing that. Uh, no, the humorous practical jokes were normally you would balance a bucket of water on a door and Clark would see it and oh, make sure that it didn't fall with his super breath and then drop it on Steve Lombard's head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there was a campaign to bring Steve Lombard back, but I didn't miss him. He just seemed like a warmed-over version of Flash Thompson. Jeff Johns did it. <laughs> Sam says did it. <laughs> yeah. Cat Grant was in the post-crisis era where she was an interesting, multifaceted and three-dimensional character in the hands of good comics writers like Dan Jurgens, Jerry Hardway and Roger Stern. Here she's bland and dull, but she is only given a page, so she may develop. Oh, she has more in other things. Does she? Also written by Jeff Johns. Oh, right. And she's in the Supergirl comic as well, isn't she, at the moment? Yeah. I don't read that. So. Yeah. Uh, in live action, she was in Lois and Clark for about 20 episodes before she just disappeared. Ron Troop was another post-crisis character who ultimately married Lucy Lane and had a child together. And then they didn't, because writing consistent characterization is too hard for DC. That goddamn Mephisto. He's <laughs> so much to answer for, isn't he? Um, it is the best issue yet. I do agree with that. It actually feels like a Superman comic rather than the adventures of a mopey, whiny, irritating brat that you just want to smack. Um, with a bit of rewriting, I think they could have started it with this issue, and it doesn't matter. You wouldn't have missed anything too important, unless you consider the Legion to be important. Um, there's no mention of Lana. Well, she's um, She's now. just ran off. And given that his first appearance is a surprise, Clark must have been successful in never being seen. He's still not called Superboy, though. Well, he wouldn't be called Superboy. Superman, though. No, that's very true. He's still not called Superman. Any comments from your good self? Um, I like the subtle Daily Planet versus Lex Luthor headlines in the background. Hey, I like that the Perry White thinks Lex Luthor's a douche bits as well. Mm. Oh, it's quite fun. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman! Man of the Superman rocketed to Earth as an infant when the distant planet Krypton exploded. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter for the Daily Planet, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and freedom with superpowers far beyond those of ordinary mortals. It's Superman, 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 Superman. Anyway, um, issue four. Um, you wrote the synopsis for this one, so do you actually want to read it as well? Yeah, yeah, I should do my contribution. Okay. It's outside LexCorp. What about the cover? 
Yeah. Let's talk about the cover on this one. Ah, the covers. Well, <laughs> we get Christopher. Let me guess, it's three people standing around. Correct. Gosh, how amazing that is. And the big fortress is portrayed as the spiky thing instead of a big keyhole in the snow. And would that be a reference to Superman the movie, perchance? Or just New Krypton, also written by Jeff Jones. He gets around, doesn't he? He, he does. At least this cover's got Superman on it. Yeah. <coughs> like Superboy. Mm. So, it starts off outside LexCorp, which we know is LexCorp. The title is called Parasite. Yes, I thought we weren't bothering with the title either, just like we don't bother well, with the cover. we don't know it has a title until page two. Oh, does it actually have a title on page two? Page two this time. Very good, I'm very impressed. Yes, the beaten alias is... We don't have to uh, read the whole thing. Yeah. So, we're outside LexCorp, which we know by now, because it has a big L. And there's people pushing and arguing to get in the first, because people need Luthor to make the wish come true. But he's watching them all in a big, dark and evil room with TVs. But he comes out to them on a big st um, platform with a big splash page, which is a decent splash page as far as the backs of people's heads goes. Can't <laughs> Gary Frank can really draw the backs of people's heads. Well, yeah. It's quality. But the people shout to him, and he says he does it for one reason, to say thank you to the people. Which we know is just an elaborate ruse, because he is evil, real. Evil! Yeah. A few big teeth on this one again. <laughs> and um, there's people in the room who tells him to get Tubby, who is Rudy Jones of the Daily Planet. Subplot alert! Oh, yes. So he picks him and brings him in. He leaves the crowd to try to swarm through the gates, but some guards put them back. And Rex and Rudy walk off into the thing. Rex. Rex. Rex the Wonder Dog. Rex explode. <laughs> Rex explode. Yep. Not Lex Luthor. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although Luthor at the bottom of that panel uh, on this is page number. Why don't they put page numbers on comics anymore? One, two, three, four, five. That's a Kurt Swan Lex Luthor. Is it? Yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. I like that. Okay, I was going for Grant Morrison. It does look a bit like Grant Morrison in the way that bald people all look the same. Captain Cold in Finger, uh, New Frontier, was Grant Morrison. Was he? Yes. Oh, okay. So he wants Lois Lane. So Doesn't everybody? The, well, so back at the Daily Planet, people are swarming Lois to get questions about Superman. But she hands over to Perry uh, an assignment early because she's writing the big story. Oh, before you just turn the page, the, the bottom of that page, that's a great shot of Lois. Biting her tongue. Yeah, looking like she's thinking of something. I, I like that one. I like that page. Maybe she's thinking about how much biting your tongue hurts. Mm, possibly. So, Clark confirms to Perry that Superman is real. And that he did actually fly. But... Golly. Mm, before any more questions could be answered... Two LexCorp guards show up, demanding to see Lois Lane. But knowing that this is her chance to speak to Luthor, she jumps at the opportunity and goes with them. But they also ask for four eyes, Clark Kent. Why did they ask for Clark to go with him? Because he was seen with Lois in the last one. Alright, so they managed to put two and two together, did they? Because they all look very bright. Well, 
They didn't do the thinking, probably. They were just the... Lex saw it on CCTV. Armed muscle. So, back at Lex Cup, Rudy Jones is eating as many donuts as he can, stuffing them in his pockets, his arms, and his mouth. So Lex is saying to him how he can help him after a few tests, but Rudy spots containers filled with purple goo. Cool. Ah. In Lex's office, there is a large portrait of the man himself. And there is a nice picture of the city. And we find out that Lex owns 78% of Metropolis. But The Daily Planet building being the bit that he doesn't own. It's not that big to make up the 2022. Right. Yes, I can do math, mate. <laughs> it's maths! It's more than one of them! So, before the interview starts, Lex says hello to Lois from her father, which startles her and makes her tremble. It's a very so, short skirt she's got on. Well, I'm not complaining. But, route back to Rudy, and he's doing some tests, and he wants more donuts. Give me donuts! <laughs> now, Lex wants to find Superman to charge him. He wants to know who he is. But he doesn't actually say what he wants to charge him for, just for trespassing. Now, the container going along doesn't have a window in it, or it has a crack in it, and it's treading along the floor, where Rudy drops his donut. Mm, and thus a major plot point come off. He picks down, bites into it, but then... Purple steam comes out of his mouth and makes him bend down in pain. And in one of the best parts of the comic, he splurts out purple goo, which distorts his face and he eats people. <laughs> he sucks the life out of them. Oh Back to the interview. Clark hears this, tries to get out of it, but the wall smashes. And we have quite a dumb splash page, in my opinion. I don't remember Parasite being quite so hefty. Well, I mean, he looks a bit top-heavy. Well, only yeah. Only Power Girl should be top-heavy. Mm, and not quite in that way, either. No. But it's a bit dull splash page. And he's killed two people by sucking the life out of them. Ugh. Clark is to be gone. Is not to be found. Clark is to be gone. Yeah. To, to use English words in the correct order makes the speaking easier. Some people have a way with words, others have not way. <laughs> Parasite is about to eat Lois, who's wearing a rather tight skirt in this panel. And we see a bit of crack. <laughs> Luke! But a red streak... But, yes. <laughs> a red streak smashes down into the ground and takes parasites along with it. He's now growing teeth on his face. There's another splash page of Superman and parasites smashing out the window. Which isn't a bad splash, but Superman's face looks a bit... Oh, get off me, dude! <laughs> he got cooties. <laughs> parasites is wrapping himself around Superman. Homoeroticism! Yay! Biting his neck and draining the life out of him until, in one last attempt, punch punches him off him and feels dizzy. But his eyes glow red and he shoots his laser eyes at him. I got laser eyes and I know what you're thinking. Absorbs all of this energy and causes a car to blow up, knocking him unconscious. Cool. It's very cool. Well done, Superman. He then freezes him and tells everyone to keep the distance. But people panic 
and a skirt, which is a bit stupid, really. Because I didn't like it in Spider-Man, where no matter what he did, people hated him and was scared. Well, that's part of the whole Spider-Man thing, though, isn't it? Because yeah, he has see. a full face mask and he's a bit icky. Let's see how that woman feels if he didn't show up to save his baby from a burning building. Well, she'd probably be a bit upset with that. Exactly. Okay. Thank you doesn't hurt. No. Now, Lex Luthor wants to know what Superman is, and he causes people to panic even more. And he asks him, is he even human? Which startles him, and he goes off flying, listening to people, and he sits on the Daily Planet until he sees someone about to jump off the building. But no, it's just Jimmy, and he doesn't jump in <laughs> off it anyway. It's just Jimmy. <laughs> There's his spin off That there. goofy kid. Forget Turtle Boy, it's just Jimmy. Just Jimmy. <laughs> but with his big teeth, he says he was just <laughs> saying goodbye. <laughs> just saying goodbye to Metropolis because he didn't fit in. Superman convinces him to stay by saying he doesn't fit in either and he doesn't have many friends and it'd be quite sad to lose the only wine, one he's got. Wine, wine. Aww. So Jimmy asks for a photo of Superman so he poses. So he's telling this teenage boy that he's the only friend he's got and he poses for photos. <laughs> Homoeroticism. Yay! And... There's a panel where Perry, a page where Perry accepts Lois's story on Superman and runs it with Jimmy's picture. It's a pretty good picture. It's a pretty good say. picture. But Lex, reading this, declares war on the Daily Planet. Just like Bugs Bunny used to do. Mm-hmm. Of course you realise, this, this means war. I like that one. I, again, it felt more like Superman. Uh, I was always a big fan of the Parasite. I think he sucks. I think he well he does. Yes, really? that's the whole point. Badum bum. Yes. Um, I can't understand why they've never done Parasite in live action. I think he'd be a really cool villain. Um, Superman finally gets called Superman at the end of the issue, and the whole thing rattles along quite well. Uh, the art's very good. There's some excellent splash pages. Some excellent teeth. And some excellent teeth. And an excellent ass. And an excellent ass. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you. We're very fond of Lois's skirt. Uh, I'm not too hot on Superman still being all moody and doughty and stuff. Maybe he should wear a black costume. No, he shouldn't. Uh, but it's nice to see he's already having a positive effect on Metropolis. And he should dance down the street as well. <laughs> Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Uh, the end of Lex declaring war on the Daily Planet. The only paper to print a positive story about Superman is very good. Uh, overall, issues three and four were much better than one and two. And why I can't understand why Clark feels the need to act like a big goofball. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they actually do feel like issues of Superman. Um, certainly more than anything DC's published in a while. Um, there's still too much Superman the movie, uh, but that's better than too much Smallville. A little bit of Smallville goes a very long way. So ten years worth of Smallville is like thirty years for any other television show. That one episode with the JSA was alright. Yeah, it was good that one. With my uncle in it.
Yes. Issue five. Guess what's the cover of this one? Kryptonite. Well, yes, but it's not called that in the story. But it's three people standing around. At least we get a sign of conflict this time. Instead yeah, of they do actually fight. look a bit menacing. Yeah. Although Parasite just looks a bit... <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Mr. Luthor? We going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? He just looks a bit goofy, doesn't Maybe he? Maybe he actually is, Otis. <laughs> Maybe he is. It's a good point. Uh, the title is Strange Visitor. Again, it's on the last page. Uh, the story is there's a fire in Metropolis. A fireman and a heavy set young woman are about to be crushed by falling debris. Uh, there's page two is a brilliant splash page of Superman saving them. The oh, lighting and the colouring. It is kick ass, yes. A fantastic. And whereas you'd have the shirt rip, if I could have one piece of original art, mine would be that one. I think that's a great page, that. Very good. Uh, anyway, Superman continues to save people in a sequence of such awesomeness, I can almost forgive Johns for bringing back the Legion. Um, of course, because, almost. Because we're all about darkness nowadays, and this is Superman as if it was written by Marvel people, uh, Superman isn't trusted by the people that he rescues. Which is stupid. Which is a bit stupid, yes. He still finds time to pose for another picture for his teenage buddy. Which is... Homoeroticism, yay! Why would he do that? People will start asking questions. Yes, probably. Meanwhile, uh, a proper comic book word that is never used properly. Um, Lois shows up, uh, and her and Superman both explain to the rather dense Jimmy Olsen that this was no boating accident. Meanwhile, Lex is having conniptions that other newspapers have started calling him Superman. Lex isn't just talking to himself, however. He's addressing Lois's father, whose Lex is convincing that Lois is having an unnatural relationship with Superman. Major plot twist. Major plot twist. He's also convinced the general that he's being attacked by the Parasite and Superman in general are matters of national security. Over at the Daily Planet, Cat is composing an article on the most eligible bachelor in town. Guess who? Jimmy Olsen? Yes, it's, yes, Jimmy Olsen is the most eligible bachelor in town. Brilliant. Um, so Lois is much, much impressed about this. Oh, yeah. Jimmy is the most eligible bachelor in town. Uh, to Lois's consternation, a military man named John Corbin, the John who sent the flowers last issue, or was it the issue before, shows up and finds them in the bin to try and get her to go out on another date. There was no room on the desk. That's a good point. Corbin's a bit of a douche, and he tries to convince Lois that she needs to give up being a reporter and just buckle down and burr him a few kids. Nazi. <laughs> Chauvinist. You need to pack in this reporting lark, Lois. Get in that kitchen, whip me up a mess of griddles, and pop me out some kids. <laughs> Apple pie will do nicely. <laughs> Quality. Uh, he's also an abusive douche, crushing Lois's hand. However, Clark shows up, and in one of the best sequences in the entire six issues, shakes Corbin's hand. Corbin tries to crush Clark's hand, but Clark just takes it, never not smiling. And then crushes his own. He doesn't back. actually crush his hand, which I was waiting well, for. He does in his face. Do you think? Yes. So, yeah, okay. And then Clark crushes his hand back. I will defer to your judgment, though, which is brilliant. Corbin is slightly deflated. And Lois is very impressed. As you would be. That Clark. At Clark's. There's more to Clark than meets the eye. He's like a transformer, isn't he? Oh, yeah. More than meets the eye. At LexCorp. Is he still called LexCorp? LexCorp. Yeah, I think so. Is it? Okay. Lex shows General Lane the metallo exoskeleton that is now powered by the green rock. 
Corbin volunteers to drive Metallo. Clark and Lois get lunch where they do some expositing. Um, again, it's a pretty cool scene. Um, John's writes really good Lois and Clark. There's actually some dialogue on the page, so you're actually reading something instead of just looking at pretty pictures. And teeth. And teeth. Um, it's really good. I, I think the Lois Clark dynamic's really good. Um, the picture of Clark at the bottom of the page is a bit goofy. It's the teeth. It's the teeth. They're going to make their own comic. Eventually the teeth are going to take over the world. Superman's secret teeth. <laughs> Lunch is interrupted by an explosion and Clark takes off as Superman only to discover that it was a trick on behalf of General Lane. He wants to know why Superman is here. What does he want from us? Superman starts to walk out when Lane turns the interview into an interrogation, but Lane tells him he is an enemy of the United States, which seems like a bit of an overreaction. Soldiers show up to stop Superman, and Superman is a little distressed over how to handle this. Why has he not just gone to the White House already and had a word with the President? I've completely lost my track. Soldiers show up to stop Superman, and Superman is a little distressed over how to handle it. Um, when Metallo shows up, it's clobbering time. No, the fight, the however, is a big disappointment, only lasting five panels the before Metallo opens up his chest to reveal the green, green glow of home. Superman falls. It's not called Kryptonite. And although the bullets aren't killing him, they are drawing blood. Why is it drawing blood? I thought his costume was impenetrable. Which means That's they would good point, absorb His suit yeah. in this is made from his Kryptonite stuff, isn't it? Just because he's weak. Unless Kryptonite weakens his clothes as well, which is that's a very good point, actually. That's uh, a bit inconsistent. I do like the heat vision where there's no lasers, where his eyes just glow red and things melt. I like that. On the second panel. Which is a bit of, well, apart from that little inconsistency. Um, that's a nod to the George Reeves TV series where they couldn't afford special effects. Right. So they just did it like that. Um, Superman falls. A ricochet takes out Corbin's power supply and takes him out in a flurry of sparks. Superman tries to get help, but the soldiers keep on shooting. Luther says he can save Corbin and General Lane shuts down the Daily Planet. What do you think of that one? Well, I think the soldiers are a bit stupid. Well, no, they're only following orders. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a big guy, powerful, and he's been saving people's lives, and it's like, hey, let's go shoot him. Well, they were told to shoot him. Yeah, but why? Surely they'd be scared of him. And then they carried on shooting at him, and then they got killed by Corbin. Yeah, Corbin bumps him up at the end, doesn't he? Mm. Which is a bit silly. Anyway. Um, I liked it. It's a bit of a mixed bag, this one. It's not as good as issue three and four. The Clark Lois stuff's really good. Um, as is Clark's standoff with Corbin. But I, just, I think there's something wrong with the US military fighting Superman. Because he's truth, justice, and mum's apple pie, isn't he? And after reading the Hulk, like I just have, the whole relationship between Lois, Corbin, and her dad is a bit too much like the relationship between better General Ross and the moustache dude. General Talbot? Yes. What was, it? What was his first name? Glenn? Glenn Talbot? Glenn Talbot. Yes, it is, it is very like that. Good point. Well spotted.
issue six. The cover is, you know, it's a bit better. It's still three people standing around. It still doesn't have the ooh effect. No, it doesn't really, does it? But it's alright, I suppose. It kind of gives away that he wins at the end. Doesn't he always? Well, you know, kind of the point. Um, title. There isn't one. Issue 6 doesn't have a title. It's not good enough to have one. Not even at the end. Uh, uh, the only title it has at the end is The End. Maybe that's what it's called. So the issue's called The End. Yep. When in fact it's the beginning, really, isn't it? The end of the beginning. The beginning of the end? Yes. Yes. End of the beginning also works. Uh, we open exactly where we left off with the planet under siege by the army. They're portrayed as a bunch of thugs and potential rapists, which is a bit off from my experience with military people, but whatever. General Lane tells everyone at the planet that Superman is an alien. Luther, meanwhile, has operated on Corbin and declares him to be alive! Yeah. It's alive! Other US Gordon's alive. Other US soldiers search for Superman in the sewers, but the Man of Steel makes short work of them, as he is often wanting to do. But he, he doesn't, does he? Uh, he does make he, short he, work. He runs away. Well, it's not hurting them. He doesn't run away. He's hiding in the sewers with. He lifts up a tank, which is cool. Which is pretty cool. But not as cool as the whole Hulk and the smashing Iron Man with an F-15. Not as cool as the camera flows. No, which are here on page four. Is that page four? One, two, three, four. Yeah, there's a camera pose on page four and page five. J.J. Abrams. Jimmy distracts... Oh, sorry, the action keeps cutting away from Superman to the planet. Jimmy distracts the soldiers with a camera flash and Lois gets away. A more humanoid Metallo shows up and starts pounding on the Man of Steel. Uh, he owns his ass, really, doesn't he? Just a bit. Um, Lois shows up and tells Superman to get away. But Metallo blasts himself at Lois. Lo Superman throws himself in front of her, despite the blast being from a nugget of purest green. Metallo's going a bit mad, blasting at innocents and his own soldiers, but Superman throws a manhole cover at him. And, like... Melting it into his lungs. And then kills him. He doesn't kill him. He Why takes Metallo out into space. And kills him. Until he passes out. He killed him. He does not kill him. It's too cold in space. clearly says, What did you do to him? Says General Lane. I told him to take a nap. Because he's not going to stand there in front of the military and all those civilians. He says, I killed him. He didn't kill him. He killed him. General Lane tries to arrest Superman, but the crowd turn on him in favour of the Man of Tomorrow. Superman stops him with an inspiring speech and takes off for Lesko. Lesko? That's the supermarket where everything's cheap. Lesko. Lexco. If only. If only. It confronts Luther in a scene quite similar to the end of the first episode of Lois and Clark, with Lex realising that there is one man in Metropolis he can't control. There's a nice scene with Lois teasing Clark about there being more to him when a note from Superman distracts her. As it would. Yeah. Lois heads to the roof where Superman is fixing the Daily Planet Globe. Told you. Superman and Lois look like they're going, have a moment, but Jimmy interrupts. Jimmy, the number one Jimmy. cop block. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Superman gets the globe spinning and takes off, and the swell of John Williams' Superman march bursts into the background. Uh, or it would do if comics came with soundtracks. Lex has a final scene where no one has turned out to have their wish granted, and the people of Metropolis look up in the sky. Not for a bird, nor for a plane, for Superman. Wee! 
there you go. All six issues of Secret Origin in 80 minutes. What did you think? I quite liked the last one, but the fight was too short. It was a bit. He kind of skimps on the action, doesn't he? Yes. And I like all the covers joined up as a big poster. Yeah, all six covers do join together as interlocking covers. But, just like the Spider-Man one, at the end of Brand New Day, they were a bit off at some point. Is that Origin of the Species? I think so, yeah. yeah okay. But, um, yeah, just... as a standalone cover, they're a bit dull, and the collected edition cover's better. Oh. I haven't seen the collected edition cover. It's quite good. Oh, I will have a look on it. The final four issues were much more enjoyable than the first two. One or two stood apart for new readers, whereas the other four were kind of like one big long story with three kind of standing alone, four, five and six being a three-parter. Oh, I'm undecided. I forgive this to anyone who's never read Superman before. It's similar to both Smallville and Superman the movie, um, that they would know what to expect. But it's not really a different take on Superman, like Earth One, Man of Steel, or Birthright, it just yeah. feels like bits from other versions thrown together. Earth One's Krypton, Krypton became the intergalactic arms dealers. Yes. Okay. And that's Superman Origin. Any final thoughts on issue six, Michael? I quite liked it as the last one, but it didn't have any fun parts except for the tank. And the tank was pretty cool. Yeah, and I liked the kickstarting of the thingy. But as an overall, I think it was quite dull, but with some fun parts in it. And the artwork was very good in some parts, but overall it was teeth. Teeth? Teeth. Book teeth. Yeah. Excellent. That's what we like to hear about, book teeth. Excellent. Right, well, there you go. We hope you liked our pilot episode. Next week will be a lot shorter than 80 odd minutes um, we're, we're going to be looking at the other big gun in DC stable, the Batman I will be looking at the origin of Batman from 1940 none of this year one filth for me, what are you doing? I'm still undecided not doing the clown at midnight then? I don't know, I may go for Grand Morrison I may not okie dokie um, okay, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you'll be back for more, and we'll see you next time on Hey Kids Comics. Good day. Bye bye. <laughs>